Some of you <clears throat> may be looking at me right now. My name is Doug Swank. I'm one of the pastors here at Lighthouse. And I know you may be looking at me going, hey, it's easier. How come you're not wearing a tie or a coat like Pastor Bruce was when he came up? And it's because I don't wear suits to parties, okay? Unless, you know, it's a costume party. So I am so glad that you are here. Speaking of parties, how many of you like surprise parties? You like surprise parties, anybody? anybody? I, like, I love surprise Okay, do you like being surprised or being the person who surprises other people? Who likes being surprised? That's me. Who likes surprising other people? Yeah, wow, most of you. I like being surprised because then the party's about me. So anyway, I, speaking of surprises, I love to scare, excuse me, surprise my wife. I love to surprise my wife. I'll hide behind doors. I'll hide in the shower. I've done that before, all right? And, and uh, sometimes when she is like really focused, whether she's doing our bills, which she actually likes doing that. It's just so weird to me. Dan Lewis, you're the same way. That's weird, okay? But like she's focused, really focused on something. I'll just sneak up behind her like real quiet and go, bah! like that. And she like freaks out, right? And she does this like pseudo karate move, right? And then, and then like she, it's the weirdest thing to, to me, okay? Because she goes from like, incredibly like terrified to amazingly angry in four tenths of a second it is absolutely amazing to me right she, she and i'll just sit there and i'll, I'll laugh and she won't and then she kind of comes around and she starts laughing right i love surprising her surprises you know it's kind of like why we love to give and watch little babies play with these, right? You give it to the baby and they're distracted by the colors, right? And by the music and they turn that knob and at some point oh, it's so cute and so beautiful and then okay, alright and then what happens, right, with that little kid? One of three things happens Number one, they, they start laughing and they want to do it again, right? Number two, they are terrified and start crying and are scared of clowns for the rest of their lives, right? Or number three, it's a combination of both of those things, right? Sean and I were expecting our first grandchild on May 16th. I can't, watch till I, I can't wait to watch that little guy with this thing. I'm going to video it because I'm going to laugh so hard, right? But surprises, surprises are an incredible thing, right? Uh, when you think about it, whether it's surprising somebody you know or a little child being surprised by a jack-in-the-box, that's what a surprise, just that all of a sudden, it's something you're unprepared for that creates an excited and oftentimes panicked reaction, that's what a surprise is, right? That's why when I scare Sean, she automatically goes into karate. Not because she knows karate, but she's seen it on TV, okay? It's, it's that excited and panicked moment that we come into. Can I let you in on a little secret about Easter? About the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Nobody knew it was coming. Nobody was prepared. Everybody was surprised. And they shouldn't have been. 
I mean, this whole resurrection thing, this whole Messiah dying, not mostly dead, but all dead. Thank you to those of you who love Princess Bride, right? Not mostly dead, but all dead. Jesus was all dead, the Messiah all dead, and would come back to life. Had been prophesied hundreds of years before. Nobody should have been surprised. I mean, Jesus himself talked about this. Jesus talked with his followers, with his closest followers, and told them exactly what was going to happen. They shouldn't have been surprised, okay? And yet, they were surprised. Nobody saw it coming. And that's what I love about the Bible. The Bible doesn't try to sweep the inconvenient things under the carpet. It shows the humanity of who we are. Those people who followed Jesus the closest, they knew the old scriptures. They had heard Jesus talk about it. And yet when Jesus rose again, every one of them was surprised. They didn't sweep it under the carpet. The Bible doesn't say that after Jesus died and they put him in the tomb, all of his closest followers gathered around a fire by the Sea of Galilee singing Kumbaya in anticipation of him coming back. It's not what happened. In fact, when you see the scriptures, you read the different stories, not just one story. Multiple stories of multiple people. Of their response to Jesus' resurrection. And it wasn't, ha, saw that coming. No. You think of Mary Magdalene. In John chapter 20, Mary, she was from Magdala. They called her Mary Magdalene. And on that first day of the week, which would have for them been Sunday... It says, early in the morning, Mary went to the tomb. Why was she going to the tomb? Because Jesus had been crucified the day before the, uh, before the Sabbath. And they can't do anything on the Sabbath. So they were rushing to get the body down, to get the body prepared, to get it in the tomb. And scripture says that, you know, women, Mary's probably one of them, came to finish what they had started. So Mary comes to the tomb, and the stone is rolled away which is what happened in the first century. They would have tombs where they would have a, as Pastor Kyle talked about, it wasn't like they, they buried people in a casket and put them in the ground. They would typically carve out a cave, put them in an ossuary, or for poor people, they would just lay them inside of this, roll the stone in front of it, and, and leave it closed. The stone was open. It was a brand new you know, cave, burial place. No one else was in there. And Mary walks in, and there's no one in there. There's no one in there. And she runs and she gets uh, two of Jesus' closest followers, John and Peter. And this is what she says. She says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. You read that and it's not, you know, the Lord is out of the tomb. I'm not sure where he is, but he said he was going to rise. No, somebody, Mary's saying somebody took the body and we don't know where it is. Okay, a little bit later, uh, that's the same two guys, John and Peter, they go running to the tomb after Mary tells them, and they run, and Peter just goes straight in the tomb. John's a little bit scared, kind of weird, walking into a tomb. Peter goes straight in there, looks around, there's nothing in there. There's no body, just, you know, a bunch of rags in there. Finally, John walks in and sees it. And this is what it says in John 20, verse 9. It says that John and Peter still did not understand from Scripture 
that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Meanwhile, a couple of Jesus' disciples are walking down a road to Emmaus. They're depressed because they saw Jesus die. They knew he was buried. They're depressed that this person that they had put their trust and faith in is dead. Is dead. So they're walking along the road, depressed, kind of talking with each other, when this other traveler comes up and starts chatting with them. They didn't know the other person chatting with them was Jesus. They didn't recognize him. Jesus walks up and he says, hey, what are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? This is their response. One of them named Cleopas asks Jesus, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Are you the only one? Just leave them on. Are you the only ones who, who haven't seen? They, they didn't recognize Jesus. They weren't expecting him to come back to life. And then the coup de grace. The coup de grace is that Jesus shows up, right, uh, in John a little bit later. Jesus shows up, and, and he, he shows up to all of the disciples in this upper room where it's locked. And they get excited. He really is alive. He's resurrected. And it is like party time. There's nothing that will stop us now. They were all there. Except for one guy. One guy. His name was Tom. One of his friends called him Tommy. We know him as Thomas. And they're like, ah, oh, Thomas, Jesus was here. And Thomas is like, you guys have been smoking that Jerusalem ditch weed again, haven't you? You're crazy. He's dead. We saw him. He was buried. They're like, no, 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 no. He's alive. And Thomas is like, you're crazy. In fact, Thomas says this. He said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Like, and Thomas takes it a step farther. Like, they just saw Jesus. Thomas is like, hey, hey, hey. That's great you saw him. I need to touch him. I need to put my hands, my fingers in the nail prints. I need to put my hand in his side. Because unless I do that, I will not believe. I will not believe. No one expected this. Every single one of them knew that Jesus was dead and expected him to stay dead. They were not expecting him to come back to life. One of them thought that he was a gardener when she saw him. Mary Magdalene, when she actually, when Jesus appears to her, she actually thought he was the gardener. Two guys who were walking down the road thought he was a fellow traveler. Thomas just straight up says, you guys are crazy, and unless I put my fingers in the nail prints, hands out, I will not believe. How can this happen? How can they be so caught off guard? How can they be this surprised that this happened? Well, this is kind of the turning point for us. Because if I'm honest with you, Asking the question, how, is the wrong question. 
The wrong question is how. How did Jesus come back from the dead? God. God does miraculous things every single day. How is not the question. The better question for us to ask is why. Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus come back from the dead? And my friends, this is where we connect the dots. If, if Jesus rose again by the power of God, then his death had validity. His death meant something. There was a reason why he died if he came back to life. If God can reverse the course of nature and make the dead come back to life, if God can come back to life, then neither the Romans nor the Jewish religious leaders had authority over him. That means that Jesus gave his life freely. That means that Jesus died on purpose for a purpose. And if Jesus died on purpose for a purpose, then Jesus rose again on purpose for a purpose. So we have to answer that question, why? Why did he go to the cross? Why did he rise again? And to be honest with you, the answer to that question is as simple as the answer to the how question. Why did God die for you and for me, and why did he rise again? For love. Because of love. Why would Jesus endure such intense persecution and pain? Why would Jesus endure the humility of being stripped naked and being whipped within a lash of his life? Why would he put up with being, being mocked and made fun of, having nails driven into his hands and his feet and ultimately dying on a cross? Why? Because of love. Because God loves you and he loves me. Because love makes you do crazy things. Because love makes you do shocking things. Love makes you do surprising things. And giving your life for another person, let's be honest, that's shocking. That's surprising. You see, in eternity, you and I are separated from God. We're separated from God because of the sin in our lives. The things that we have done that are wrong, and we know they're wrong, have separated us from God. And the things that we know we should have done that were the right things to do and we didn't do them, they push us away from God. They separate us. Our sin separates us from God, not because of anything He has done, but because of what we have done. And while God wants us to be with Him, the holy and the unholy, well, they can't mingle together. In fact, the scripture says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I have sinned. Pastor Bruce, that good-looking old fellow who is up here who is as close to a saint as I know, Pastor Bruce has sinned. The Pope has sinned. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. And that sin is like a huge weight on our shoulders. 
It's a burden that keeps us from being with God. In fact, Romans 6.23 says that the payment for that sin, the wages that we receive for that sin, is death. Every sin I commit, every sin I commit separates me a little bit farther from God. It's like a loan that I take out that I can't repay. It's this debt that I can't repay. It's overwhelming this debt. But I can't just go bankrupt because this is moral. This is life. This is, this is a debt that has to be paid. And there's only one way for this debt to be repaid, for this uh, debt of sin to be paid off, and that's sacrifice. A life for a life. And if I can't pay that price, who does? Sean and I, one of our favorite restaurants in Michigan was actually in Grand Rapids. And it was a restaurant called Marie Catrebes. And Sean and I loved it. We had never been there before. We had heard about it. And so we're like, hey, we should try Marie Catrebes. And so we went there on this, you know, weekday. We pull, we roll in at about like 1.45, I think it was. And you would think at 1.45, the dinner rush is gone, right? We roll up, and we walk in, and there's a line at the door at 1.45, right? So you know this place is good. So we roll in there, uh, and they had like a couple of chairs at the counter that were open. We're like, oh, we'll take those. So we go sit at the counter, and we sit down next to this other couple, and I do, as my custom is, start talking to them, right? Just kind of start engaging in conversation with them, and, and we're chit-chatting and everything, and, and, uh, and I'm like, hey, what are you guys eating? And they're like, oh, this is so good. You need to try it. I'm not kidding you. You're like, you need to try it. And most people are like, no, I couldn't do that. I'm like, okay, you know. Kind of hungry, it's 145. I'll try your food, right? I don't even know you. You could have cooties or something, right? And so I think about, oh man, that is good. What is that you're drinking? He's like, oh, it's creamy Earl Grey tea. Have you ever had it? I'm like, no, I don't typically like Earl Grey tea. He's like, oh, you got to try it. And I'm like, no, okay, right? I say, oh man, that's so good. And so because it was our first time there, you know, we tried a little bit of everything. Right, we got we got uh, we got our meals, but we also ordered some hummus because uh, because at Marie Catrebes they they made everything fresh. They made their own hummus, and I don't generally like hummus, but it was the first time I had ever had hummus and non bread. That I, I was like, oh, this is good, right? And then we got our meals. We're like, oh, and the people that we had been talking to, they left. Right, we're like, hey, yeah, talk to them, whatever. You know, and they left and um, didn't know who they were. And uh, so we eat, we eat our night, we ordered the creamy gray, Earl Grey tea, it was so good. Our meal was fantastic, and the bill, I knew it was going to be expensive, but it was so worth it. And so we get all finished, and we're kind of sitting there, and we're at the counter, and it's kind of that uncomfortable time, right? It's like, we're ready for our check anytime now, and the dude's just kind of standing there. And so I remember, I kind of look at him, he's standing there, he's all, your check's been paid. And I was like, what? He's like, your check's been paid. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, tip two. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. Sean, let's go find those people and have dinner with them. No, I didn't really do that. I didn't do that. But it was so fantastic. That meal got even better because these people that we didn't even know 
paid our bill in full. Such a great meal. It was amazing. Now, when it comes to our lives, and even more importantly, when it comes to our soul, what lasts eternally, how are we going to pay that debt? We can't. You can't pay it. I can't pay it. Only God could pay it. And only God could pay it in full. That is why Jesus went to the cross. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Because God loves you so much that he doesn't want to be separated from you. And so the debt that you and I could not pay, he paid for us. Now here's the really cool thing. Last week, if you were here, you know that at the end of the service, on Palm Sunday, we were talking about how, you know, in in Psalm 22, it ends with, he did it. He did it. What did he do? Jesus died, shed his blood, paid for our sin in full. And I I encourage you to take a post-it note, and whatever that sin was that was hanging on you, whatever that burden was that you were carrying, to put it to nail it to the cross right here. And as you can tell, many of you did. Now here's the beauty. You can't see it from there, but when we're done, you'll walk up here and see it. Every single one of these post-it notes that have a sin or a burden has stamped on there, paid in full. That debt that you and I have has been paid in full. A debt that I couldn't cover. A debt that you couldn't pay. God paid for you why because he loves you because he loves you scripture jesus for god so loved the world the world not just the jewish people not just the nation of israel the world every kingdom every tribe every person from every nation god so loved the world put your name in there for god so loved doug that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not die but we'll have everlasting life. For God loved you that much. If you remember, I used Romans 6.23 a little bit earlier. And it says, for the wages of sin is death. Whew, that's depressing right there, right? But glory to God, that's not the end of the verse. Here's what it says. For the wages of sin is death, but, everybody say but. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. There, there is the surprise of Easter. That Jesus went to the cross and died for us and eternal life is found only in him. Why? Because God loves you. It's as simple as coming to God and saying, God, I I believe you love, love me. I don't know a lot about you, but I do know you love me. I believe you are God, and I confess that I have messed up in my life. I have sinned, that I've separated myself from you. But I understand that you want me. I understand that you want me, and I want to be with you forever. And I know, I know some of you are like, Doug, you don't know this. You don't know my past, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the weight that I carry. I mean, you're right, I don't. I hope God does, right? In the same way, 
He took all of these and paid them in full. He paid yours too. Why? Because of love. Because of love. And I know, I know others of you maybe have never felt loved. Maybe you've never felt accepted. Maybe you've never felt wanted. And I'm telling you today, I'm telling you right now that you are loved. And that the cross is proof that you are accepted and you are wanted. So here's the joy of Easter. Here is the surprise of Easter that shocked the Romans, that scared the religious establishment, and that even the, that surprised his followers. That surprise is that he has done it. Done what? Died on the cross for you and for me. He has done it. Done what? He has risen. He's alive. Jesus is the template for you and for me. He is the living example of what is to come. For those of us who call on the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior and live this life in the power of God's Holy Spirit, then we will live eternally with God. We will rise again just like Jesus did. And scripture says that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He's the example of what is to come for us. For those of us who call on Jesus' name, we will be with God in heaven guaranteed so i want to close with three questions for you okay three questions for you to ponder right now in your heart the first question is this what do you gain from following jesus what do you gain from following jesus be honest the things we've talked about this morning what do you gain second question maybe a little bit harder what do you lose if you don't follow jesus See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And see, the lie that we are told in our culture today is that all roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to God. That's not true. Jesus stipulated and said, there's only one way to the Father, and it's through me. And it either is or it's not. It's either truth or a lie. That's what you've got to figure out. But what do you lose if it's the truth and you don't follow Jesus? And then number three, what's keeping you from following Jesus? What's keeping you from following Jesus today? Would you bow your heads with me? And let's just take a moment. Father, we thank you for this morning. We give you glory and praise for what you have done for us. That we can have life if we trust in Jesus as Lord. Thank you that we can rise again, just like Jesus did. He's the example, the template for us of rising again. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to throw this out there to you. That maybe today, this is the first time that this has made sense. This is the first time you've looked at it and gone, yep, I understand now. God loves me. 
and all that junk in my past, all that junk in my past, I can be released from. God can clean me and make me new through the blood of Jesus. And all it is is a prayer, my friends. It's a prayer. Confessing to God, I know I've blown it. I know I've sinned. Please forgive me. And God promises he will. And accepting in, into your heart and life, Jesus is Lord to live for him. Just trusting that he is who he said he is. And it's as simple as a prayer. And I'm going to pray that prayer for right now. And if this is the time for you that you're like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to accept Jesus. I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the Bible verses. I just know that Jesus died for me because he loves me and I want to be in heaven with God. I want to rise again too. And just simply pray this prayer. Just repeat after me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask us all to pray this prayer out loud so that no one prays alone. So I'm going to just ask you to pray what I pray out loud. Ready? Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sacrificing for me. I realize that my sin separates me from you. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And now I ask Jesus that you will come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, help me to live my life for you. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed still. Some of you, you prayed that prayer before. And yet you've kind of gotten off the path. Somehow, some way, you recognize today that you've got to come back in alignment with God. You've got to get back on that road to Him. That there have been little things that you've allowed to creep in. Little things that, that, that you've done or said that, that have separated you from God. And you've done this before, but, but today you realize, I, want, I need to get back. I want to recommit myself to God. I'm going to tell you to pray. Just you, you and God, praying together. God, I'm sorry. I want to come back in alignment with you. Rededicate myself to who you are. Recommit myself to knowing and following you. Something as simple as that. I, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to pray that. Now, here's the thing. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around. I'm going to encourage you to do this. If you prayed one of those two prayers, I want to pray for you specifically, okay? And I'm not going to ask you to do something like this, you know, stand up or even raise your hand. I'm just going to simply ask you to make eye contact with me when I ask you to. Just make eye contact. It'll be your first public confession of saying, I've committed myself to Jesus. So if you have prayed one of those two prayers, I'm just going to ask you to look up at me right now and just make eye contact with me. If you prayed one of those two prayers, make eye contact with me. Thank you very much. I'm looking out to your left, groups over here. Thank you so much. Praise God. Thank you. So incredible. Praise the Lord. I'm moving over here to the right, this middle section. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. 
Yes, praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Over here to the far side, looking. God is good. God is good. Would you stand up with me? Stand up with me. Father, we give you glory and honor and praise. What a glorious morning. To know that you have risen. You are no longer in a tomb. You are no longer on a cross. Jesus, you sit at the right hand of God the Father. And you went to the cross because of love. And you rose again because of love. And we have hope in the future that we too will be in heaven with you. Because you love us. Because you died for us and you rose again. And Father, there were a number of people this morning who prayed, who prayed that prayer. Who either for the first time stepped across that line and committed to you. Or they recommitted, rededicated themselves to you and we praise you. There is a party in heaven going on right now. And we celebrate that. And God, I pray for them now that, that from this step on, every day they will work to take one step closer to you. They will grow in their faith by being in your word. They will grow in their faith by praying and talking with you. They will grow in their faith by engaging in, in, in fellowship groups like this or in community groups. But Father, I pray, I know that, that Satan, the evil one, is going to come and is going to whisper lies in their ears like what you did didn't mean anything. He's going to lie and say there is no God. What a foolish thing to do. He's going to lie to them and say, look at that, you tripped and fell. God doesn't love you. What a lie. They're all lies. The cross is proof that you love us and you forgive us. I pray over their soul that you would protect them and cover them in love. And the time when they kind of mess up, when they think they've let you down, when they've stepped across the line and gone the wrong way, that they will run back to you. That they will say, I'm sorry, and jump back in alignment and follow Jesus. Lord, thank you. We give you praise and glory, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a song in just a moment, but can I please encourage you? If you prayed that prayer, and there were a number of you that prayed that, there's a couple things that you need to do. The first thing, if you're not doing it already, is you need to dive into God's Word. I'm going to encourage you to read the book of John. It's one of the biographies of Jesus' life. To read the book of John and see who Jesus is and what he has done. Just start reading that. Number two is just start praying. And some of you are like, well, I don't know how to pray. That's great. There is no specific way to pray. Just start talking to God. Start throwing your love out to him. Start throwing out the things in your life to him. And number three, start engaging in fellowship. Start engaging with other people. Start coming to church, whether it's here at Lighthouse or at another church. There's great churches all throughout Kalamazoo, okay? Start engaging with people. Get involved in a, in a, in a community group with other believers who are going to be an encouragement to you. When you're down, they'll lift you up, and you'll be able to lift other people up. But that's how we grow. That's how we get stronger, and that's how we grow closer to God.